Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good morning, everyone. This is Dave Thompson. I am the director of the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. And, well, it's the first Monday of August. As we do the first Monday of every month, we talk with Sean DeVore. At least that's what we're supposed to do if we've got our technology going right this morning, Sean. That's right, David. I'm here, and I'm happy to have you here with me, by the way. So um, glad that you came through everything okay. Well, for those of you that might not have known about what Sean's talking about, I am uh, one week from quadruple bypass surgery last Monday. So that's what Sean is referring to. And Sean, I have to tell you, I'm glad to hear your voice as well. Good. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you. I know exactly what you went through. I've had two family members in the last year go through it, seeing the pain and the uh, discomfort and the hard work that you're going to have to go through for now the next six to eight weeks. So um, just know our thoughts and prayers are with you and hope you continue to, to heal up like you have been. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting as I go through this part of my journey of my life, I guess, because uh, it is, you know, it, it's one of these things I woke up and uh, at the hospital room last Friday uh, before the surgery and saw the sun coming down through the clouds and go, wow, you know, I wonder what the next day of the rest of my life is going to look about. And, uh, you have a tendency to kind of uh, reflect just a little bit differently than you did before. Yeah, other uh, there's different things that become important. Well, you know, uh, I, I think, uh, I don't want to talk about my surgery and stuff, folks, but I think one of the things that we need to make sure that everybody in our industry remembers Sean, you and I have talked about this several times. We are people. We are an intricate part of society. We don't just clean toilets and mop floors and spot carpets. Uh, real life happens to us. We go on and we have uh, all these other life issues that happen. But uh, I think you... Uh, Probably in the last month, uh, maybe not the same challenges I've had in the last week, but you usually have some challenges we like to talk about. Yeah, I've had a, I had a project up at Major University at North Florida, and we had some installation issues on the project. It was a, a 18 by 36 rubber floor, and it was installed on it. The designer had designed it to install on a herringbone pattern. And the installer, the subcontractor that was hired by the dealer, uh, was not very 
fluent and how to install a herringbone pattern and how it has to be done. We'll get into the details about that, but or, but needless to say, that the installer had installed it and he couldn't get the tiles to line up properly. They were running off, so he cut little triangle slivers and stuck them in between the tiles and glued it all down and walked away from the job and told everybody he was done with it and it looked great. And when the facilities designer and the owner's uh, rep showed up, that was not the case. It was just a, it was a case of someone installing something that was not trained properly on how to install that type of floor. It'd be like me, a shade tree, part-time hot rod mechanic going to work on a Ferrari in a Ferrari dealership. He had no clue on what he was doing. So as a result of that, we, Mannington replaced the flooring because it is a large end user and I requested that the uh, owner of the labor business sent me a new installer and we trained them on site uh, with my my insta installation coordinator from the plant and we got the floor in properly and then I was called in to do an in-service cleaning uh, training for the, the rubber floor because rubber flooring has changed tremendously in the last 10 years on how it's maintained. So all of this was rubber? Yeah, this entire floor was rubber. And it was rubber tiles and installed in different colors, installed in all different directions. My gosh. With the main part of the floor being herringbone. Well, that's just, that's just yeah. a complicated nightmare. Yeah, it was complicated. It was about 3,000 square foot. Very complicated puzzle to put together. Needed somebody that was very talented with their hands to do it. And uh, they just sent out a regular guy that knew how to glue down LBT. And he, had, he was just lost. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, the installer wasn't educated before he just started trying to implement a, a practice. Yeah, he was given a bunch of puzzle pieces, and he just really had to figure it out on his own. And, and the biggest frustration for me was the lack of communication. Like you were saying earlier about us all being people, I, I just wish that he would have communicated with me and said, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here or I need some help, or the material is not what I think it should be, it's subpar, um, I can't work with it. I mean, any one of those questions that would have came to me, I could have helped him and saved myself money, the company money, and saved time because we had till August, you know, to complete this, and he was installing it in late May. Well, and he, and he probably, from obvious what you're saying, he probably was frustrated with the whole thing, but didn't reach out. No, he just did not reach out to anyone and tried to hide his his incompetencies and his failures um, by putting little pieces of slivers of rubber in the joints where he couldn't get it to, to fit. So he tell us what, I, I, I'm sitting here on pins and needles, John. What was the, why did it, what, what happened? So what we ended up doing is, uh, due to the fact, as I mentioned earlier, it was a large end user, Mannington came to the table and replaced a portion of the floor that was the, the worst, uh, which was the center of the room, the main herringbone. Right. We provided material. I found an installer in the city that was educated on how to install herringbones and brought him to the party, got him to install the floor, properly with the guidance of our installation coordinator from Mannington 
and we got the floor properly installed and glued down, allowed the adhesive to cure for 72 hours. And it's, and, and we, I had that same installer go around and pull up some tiles and replace them with new pieces that the other gentleman had uh, messed up or had not installed properly. And we've got a good installation now. So I guess our listeners are probably also wondering, well, so you've mentioned installing, but uh, it's rubber. Don't we need to seal it, put a coating on it, make it durable? What? Yeah, 15 years ago, you would seal it and put a coating on and make it durable. Now, that was part of the fr other frustration I had with the maintenance crew uh, wanting to listen to the new way of how to do things. This rubber has a carnauba wax uh, down into the pro throughout the product that friction and heat brings to the top and and, and puts the finish on it. So let me guess. Just you. So let me guess. If I look, if I re re go back to my memory banks. I could just use a bassine brush on a low-speed machine and polish the floor up. Yes, but the other technology that we've done, this is a, a 1,800 PSI vulcanized rubber. So ah. if you are familiar with making waffles in your kitchen, you okay. have to spray the waffle iron with PAM or some kind of nonstick surface in order to get the waffle to come out right. the way you'd like it to. Right. So we have... Before this goes through the vulcanization process, after it's been mixed, uh, like a, a dough for a pancakes, you've mixed the dough, you've calendared it out to get it to the right thickness, um, you run it through a silicone bath, and then it goes into the press in order to be vulcanized. And that silicone allows it to release from the press after it's been held in that hydraulic press for over eight minutes. So that you have a residue of silicone that's on the product that has to be removed. So we start with a side-by-side -side machine and a 3M uh, green pad and neutral cleaner or, and or, well, no, let me back up, not neutral cleaner, that's later. We start with a cleaner with a pH of 10 with wow. the green pad on a side-by-side -side and we scrub the floor. That's, that's pretty aggressive. Yep, pretty aggressive. And so you scrub, you go across the floor and scrub it and remove that uh, probably about 90% of the silicone the first pass after it's, it's not a, that was one of the things I, they thought they were stripping a floor and, and a traditional VCT floor. So they were just running that machine back and forth, back and forth really quickly. And I had to stand by the gentleman until he wax on, wax off a lot slower. You're scrubbing the floor. You're cleaning more, the floor. More physical not. abrasion rather than because you don't have yes. floor finishes, you have a silicone, which is going to be different. So the yes. chemical is loosening, but it's the abrasion now. Yeah, it's more about the abrasion. I need some lubrication for the pad and for the machine, but the silicone's coming off. And then about, you know, a thousand feet into the floor, we got to flip the pad because it's got the silicones embedded into that, that pad. Right, right. So we continue to move across the floor, uh, continue to tell them to slow down. Then we bring in a uh, tenant auto scrubber machine to, with not scrubbing, but to just use the vacuum apparatus to vacuum off the moisture. And then we start with a, a white pad and a high-speed um, 
burnisher and start burnishing the floor. Well, at this and point, at, at this point, you're actually working now with the carnauba wax. It's in the in the rubber, right? Exactly. Exactly. So we're again moving slow. We move north and south and do a section at the time and then change east to west. And that's how exactly how we scrubbed it, too. We would scrub uh, a 12 by 12 area north to south, back and forth, and then change direction east to west and scrub it both ways. Then remove the, the excess liquid uh, with the auto scrubber and then vacuum apparatus. And then we would come in with the burnisher and burnish it. Yeah, that's what I would call and, a crosshatch pr process. Yes. So a crosshatch process with the burnishing and the scrubbing. And once you've went across the floor one time, you come back uh, probably the next day because you've allotted a certain amount of time to do it. And you do it again, the same process again. And this may take up to three to four cleanings in this process in order to get it to, the, to where there's no more silicone on it and all you're doing is burnishing. And then at that point, you're moved to a 3M red pad on a normal cleaning process on an auto scrubber, either auto scrubber or a square scrubber, and scrub the floor with your neutral cleaner, rinse it, uh, clean up the water, and then uh, then burnish it. Yeah, I like the I like the fact that you said rinse in there. You always know I like that. Yes, exactly. You got to get the chemical off the floor um, before you burnish, and then. And that's then the burnishing becomes a you know a, a quarterly process or as needed process depending on how much shine you want on the floor. You can run your auto scrubber or you can uh, mechanically do it by hand with a mop and bucket um, to to mop the floor. And then you know occasionally, probably once a month, uh, auto scrub it just to get a little bit deeper clean so you don't get any residue. And then quarterly, uh, you know, burnish it. And that's basically all there is to the finish on the product moving forward for the next, hopefully, 25 years. So this is a smooth rubber tile yes. floor. So these are tiles like what, 20 by 20? 18 by 36. 18 by 36. Okay. Yeah. That's why you got the crosshatch or uh, the uh, yes, herringbone. The herringbone. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the things I picked up in that list of things was that you flip the pad over after a thousand square feet and then you throw it away after that because now the pad has absorbed this silicone and would simply transfer it back to the floor. Yeah, it starts, you can notice it on the side by side when you're scrubbing if, if you start getting uh, BBs, you know, on the floor uh, yep. residue, you notice that your pad's full. Loaded. Loaded, yeah. Yeah, and, and you didn't say wash it out or anything. You said get a new pad on those other days. So that was after 72 hours, and then you were talking three different times you scrubbed and burnished. Right. Yeah, see, that's a much different process. Now, if you're not educated in that, uh, I imagine the maintenance people didn't want to follow that. No, there was a certain amount of, you know, they the second crew I did, I did the day shift and then I did the uh, night shift that came in at five and the day shift was more acceptable of it, acceptable of it, the process than the night shift. The night shift was, you know, we already know how to clean this kind of floor. Why are you here? I'm like, well, it's a completely different processes. This is new technology that, that's been, that will make your job easier in the long run. You're just going to have to break the floor in. And once you break it in, 
then your your job will be a lot faster. Your time process, you know, they they started pushing back. You know, I've got other places I got to be tonight. I got other things I have to do on my shift. I got other buildings to go to, and I'm I'm like I understand all that, but this is one night, and your supervisor is is made you available to me so you can learn how to do this, and he's physically here on his own time as well to show you how to clean this floor and to bring it up to speed. And they, I don't think they got it. I, I'll probably. Uh, nice shift. Welcome to my world, my friend. Yeah. And, and you're right. This is the, this is you're, you're telling me what I see and hear on quite a regular basis. Um, you know, the night crew have historically been the floor techs. And they have usually the most longevity because they're specialists. And right. nobody questions a specialist as to what they do, right? Right. And so whenever they screw up, they just continue to keep screwing up because they've, well, I've already done that. Rubber floor is different, as you said. Is Mannington the only one that makes a floor that has this type of process? I... I didn't mean to put you on a spot our, there. Uh, no, but I believe that our rubber is very similar to uh, a couple of our competitors. The technology across the industry is pretty similar. Um, some other manufacturers will put a will attempt to remove some of the silicone in the from the manufacturing process by putting uh, almost like. VCT had a one coat finish on it from the factory. Um, they kind of put a one coat finish on their floor, so it has a little bit gives us a little bit more forgiving in the break in. Um, where our product has less forgiveness on the break in side, but is we believe performs at a better, higher level of luster long term than our competitors because. Uh, we don't put any other chemicals on top of it prior to uh, it shipping out of manufacturing. So I know that there's a couple of rubber type products out there that you actually use diamond pads. You clean them much like you said, but yeah. you polish them with low, uh, gr uh, I should say, fine grit diamond pads. Uh, would that hurt your floor? Uh, no, like I said, the technology is pretty pretty much the same. I would just okay. want to be pretty uh, observant before that happened. I think that manufacturer you're talking, they manufacture their own pads as well. And they want you to use their pads, which we don't, sure. we don't require that. I see. So you anticipate, uh, I would say that most of the cleaning and, and polishing that's going to be done at night is going to be done incorrectly, even though you've corrected this installation issue? Yeah, I believe so. I think that uh, I'll be going back probably at a later date within the next month or so and, and giving a refresher because they're going to... depends on how well the day crew does. If they have... because they, the, the space is empty at the moment. So if the day crew comes in and spends some time in there and cleans that floor... And, and puts some time in it, burnishing it, it'll start coming back up and it'll be less work for the night crew to do. Well, as you said, since and, it's empty in, edu in an educational facility right now, 
uh, that's going to help your situation. Yeah, it should because the owner wants to, that's running the, the air at that particular area, um, that building, he wants to get that floor as best as he can get it before students show up. Well, you know, since we're talking about uh, these kind of issues, uh, the day of my heart attack um, on Thursday before the uh, the first here, I had done a uh, consultation walkthrough at a uh, facility that uh, said that they had a terrazzo floor that they wanted me to look at, and there were some other types of flooring in the facility. So, of course, when you walk in, the rotunda is this huge, vast amount of uh, very intricately laid terrazzo uh, that uh, they had said had been uh, cut and polished uh, about six years ago and that they weren't putting any floor finish on it. It would just be maintained with a high-speed uh, machine and diamond pad. Hmm. However, I could see yellowing all over the floor. Right. And in my, my experience... Yellowing means there's a finish on there that has that has turned, but yet they haven't applied floor finish to it or any product to it. So as we look through the other building, I found one of the other floors that they mentioned, which is back to what you and I started talking about in December, the luxury vinyl plank floor. Mm -hmm. Sean, I got to tell you, I'll have to send you a picture of this. The floor on every end, so in other words, you lay a plank and you've got the six inch width and it's usually, you know, like 42 inches or something like that long. At the end of every plank, it was turned up to where the joints were completely, I mean, I mean, you could put a, you could almost put a nickel or a, a dime in between the joints where it popped up. That sounds, there's, I don't know what you found, but I know there's two things that causes that. And one is topical moisture flooding the floor when they're cleaning it. That's usually the most apparent. And cleaning it so, with, and so then what do you go look for? I would peel up one of those planks and look for a milky white uh, adhesive color under it. And if it's systemic through that entire floor, I would want to talk to the floor tech that was doing it and have him tell me without me giving suggestions, tell me how he cleans the floor. Okay. So the other thing was, is on the 48, uh, 42 or 48 inch long here again, the seams were curled and popping up mm -hmm. all over this whole floor. Are you on a, and they were, and, and they were wanting me to tell them what could they put over top of it to cover all this and flatten it out. Nothing. <laughs> so, you know, well, that, that, there you go. I thank you very much, sir. Uh, so, uh, you know, these podcasts have done a wonder for me as well as for our listeners. And so based on some of the information that I've learned from you in the podcast, I was able to consult with them and say, hey, the first thing is, is this floor safe? You know, you've no, got, you got a major municipal building here uh, with, you know, literally thousands of people walking in there every day. 
my first thing is, is this safe? And can you make this floor healthy? And answers that question based on what you told me is no to both. To both. I said, so yeah. then the question is, how do we take care of that? You can't until it's replaced. But and before then, you replace yeah. it, you need to know what you've done wrong. Yeah. Because this floor apparently is only like two years old. Wow. And I said, so what we need to do is we need to go talk with your floor tech, find out what tools and equipment and supplies that you're using. Well, I'm just going to shorten this up. Whenever we went there, we found single hole yellow mop buckets. And I watched them uh, fill up the mop buckets. And here is a guy with a high pressure nozzle on the end of a hose using hot water, blasting it into the bottom of the mop bucket, making about six inches worth of foam. Right. So I just simply looked at the uh, uh, supervisors there and I said, so tell me, what do you think that you're leaving on the floor when he goes and mops the floor with that foam? And it goes back to what you and I had said many months ago about this whole thing is that we were going to start seeing this chemical residue. And of course, you know, number one thing they were doing is you never put it in the chemical before you put it in the water. And when you put in the chemical before the water with hot water, you know, if you use hot water and you're using pressure, you're making foam. So all we were doing is mopping the floor with a lot of foam. Mm -hmm. And then I happened to look at the ringer. And literally, Sean, it was being held together with baling wire. So there was no pressure being applied to the mop when you wrung it out. Couldn't be. Yeah. So therefore, there's your problem of why your LVP floor is buckling. So if they do get the floor replaced... If they didn't change the tools and the practice, they'd be back in the same situation. Yeah, and if you expect the same thing to happen again, uh, use a different adhesive. Use a permanent. Are you still there, Dave? Are you still there? Are you back, Dave? Sorry about that. Uh, no, I had to. I'm like I said, I'm not fully recovered. And yeah, folks, whenever you cough after you've had surgery like this, it's probably mm. the second most painful thing there is. So if I sound a little bit winded, I am. <laughs> Sorry, that's just and you can't control when these things happen. Your body's going to do what it's going to do. That's right. I'm sorry, uh, Sean, I did not hear your, your response, your conversation there. Well, my response was that you have, um, if you expect that the maintenance is not going to change, you can at least change the adhesive and go to an epoxy adhesive, which is more expensive, but uh, they can basically flood the floor and it's not going to make it come up because the, the LVT, if properly installed before, was installed with a pressure-sensitive adhesive. 
um, that only has uh, lateral stability, which doesn't allow the planks to move or slide, but they can be peeled up. And moisture, it is a moisture-based adhesive, water-based adhesive, so it will react to water if water gets under the plank. So let me ask a question, you know, and this is one of the things I thought about at the time, Sean. You know, this is probably, I, and I don't know because they don't, uh, at least at the time didn't. Um, if that is not a Mannington product, what, what uh, from an um, installation source, uh, if you're, if, if I, a, one of the clients that, you know, hears the podcast says, hey, I've got that situation. And, uh, you know, Sean sounds like he knows what he's talking about. How does somebody get you there to help correct the situation and put in a new floor and do it right? Or is that something you do? Yeah, it's definitely what I do. I would be happy to come out on a situation like that and provide a consultative opinion as to, to what that. I don't ever talk ill of my competitors or. Uh, no, I don't understand that. Specifically. And, but, you know, from a professional standpoint and 30 years of experience, many commercial buildings from Chicago to Miami to where I'm at now, I'm, I can walk into a building and pretty much tell you what you're going to need or how you're going to need to go about it to be successful. And whether you follow those guidelines, that's up to you. And you don't have to use Mannington, uh, but I can give you a generalized specification of what type of product to use um, with the proper wear layer and the proper adhesive in order to get a successful job. So in other words, like in this situation that I've got going, you could come in and, and give us guidance uh, from here on out, whether they choose your product or something else. Yeah, definitely. We could write a, a scope of work and a material specification that would be, re be required. And then as far as when the replacement happens, you can also write into that subcontractor general contractors scope of work that there has to be a in-service maintenance um, seminar given by the manufacturer with the manufacturer's recommendations on how to clean the product well i think that's kind of what we're talking about this morning sean you ran into your situation there i've got this one here i also want to just follow that all up with remember the terrazzo uh rotunda i mentioned yeah. as we looked into the LV product situation. I then asked about, well, what is it that you're doing on the Terrazzo? So they showed me a diamond pad that they're running on their high-speed propane. And uh, I said, okay, so kind of walk me through what you do with it. You know, they were using diamond pad. I couldn't see anything wrong with that. On the other hand, I could see some white crystallized stuff on the pad. And right away, I figured I knew what it was because I'd looked at other floors there. And the guy says, well, we use this pad on the, on the high speed. I said, okay, but what do you do before that? Uh, well, we mop it clean. I said, with the mop that you were just showing me? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I mop everything with. Hmm. So, you know, the first thing is, is it was obvious that the floor isn't getting clean. We're just mopping soapy water on the floor. Right. So the high-speed diamond pad now is just polishing off the residue that the mop left on the floor. Right. So it really wasn't polishing the, the floor at all. It just polished off the film. And so then I said, okay, so uh, let's jump off of that floor down there in the rotunda. What about your other levels of terrazzo? It's a nine-story building. 
Oh, well, we got floor finish on that. I said, what do you do there? He said, well, we use the same pad on the same machine and we just do the same thing. We just change and, you know, we'll maybe do it on the rotunda one night and the uh, two other nights we'll run it on the other floors and then we'll come back to the rotunda. Well, therein I, I found my issue, which is a transference that you spoke about when you were cleaning that rubber floor. The pad mm -hmm. absorbed the finish because they were running a diamond pad on floor finish, which is a no-no. You do not do that because now the floor finish, which is an acrylic, was being absorbed into the diamond pad. And now that pad was now heating and transferring it to the bare terrazzo. So for the last six years, they haven't been mopping on a floor finish, but they've been putting floor finish on the terrazzo. Right. And therefore is your yellowing problem. And uh, so I had to come back to the guy and say, well, you said it didn't need to be honed and reworked, but yet it does because this is where you're at. Right. But it goes back to what you said a minute ago. The maintenance people, they know all that they're doing. They're working at night and they're, they're, they're supposed to be specialists and we just let them go and nobody challenged what they were doing. And so for the last six years, they've been creating all these issues. And then one, as you said, the floor basically needs to be replaced. Yeah. They've just tore it up. And on, I'll push the question back to you, Dave. What, it was my impression that Terrazzo required a finish, that you had to put some sort of finish on it in order to seal it and to keep it operating at the high level of what it's expected to operate at. No. No. Okay. No. And back to what you said with rubber. We used to do a lot of things 20 years ago, 10 years ago that we don't need to do today. Right. Um, can you still do those things? Sure. You can put floor finishing, you can put sealer on anything. It's just a liquid. Right. But eventually you will have consequences that you will have to deal with. And thus is the case of what you said and what I said today. Yeah. These are the consequences you're going to have to deal with at some point. And as a manufacturer, the more that you change the product, the more that we out here in the field don't change with it, the more those consequences are hurting. Because now they're not small ones anymore. They're big ones. Well, the most important thing that I've been trying to instill upon my design firms that I work with that do these large healthcare facilities and educational facilities is as a part of the specification, the end user is required or at least asks, asked between after the installation is complete to schedule a in-service training on how to clean and maintain the floor because passing on a three ring binder that's, you know, or maybe more than one three ring binder that's four inches thick with the maintenance requirements for everything from the wall sconces to the ceiling tiles and the flooring and the paint, passing that on from the general contract to the end user just goes on somebody's shelf and never gets opened. Oh yeah, the dust settles on that. It's never been cracked in his life. Never been cracked in his life. And uh, odds are within a year, it's either thrown away or they nobody knows where it's at. So, Nobody ever intended to look at it. No, uh, it's just a requirement. It's what we do. You know, that's what I always hear. Well, that's what we do. Well, you know, 
you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It ain't, ain't going to happen. Well, and I, and I think this is where you and I've had such great conversations on these podcasts, uh, over the last six months or so here, um, is that every time we have this conversation, it brings about the fact, I think we wind up in the same place. People, you have to ask questions. Uh, the more you ask questions, the less work you have to do. And I think that's what we're finding. We're finding ways, materials, programs um, that help us reduce the amount of frequency of maintenance of this, this long, arduous process of maintenance that we've always done and why people can't get this idea in their head is beyond me. Yeah, I, in everything that I do, I try to find something, an easier way to do it. And um, I, there's so much pushback. But we've always done it this way. This is what we do. This is what we do. And I'm, it's just so frustrating. Oh, it is. It is. On the other hand, you know, for me in the education, uh, it continues to give me a job and I will never be without one because of that fact. Well, just like you said with those curled up planks, somebody's going to have to buy some planks so that helps keep, keep me in a job. Uh, well, you know what? I, as I go through this consultation with this client, I will uh, get with you and we'll see if we can't help them out because that's the whole reason I'm consulting with them in the first place. Right, right. Yeah, it doesn't have, and I can, there's simple things I can do to help you out by sending you a specific uh, uh, architectural specification that you can pass on to them. Well, Sean, I, uh, do you have anything else on your mind for today? No, no, that's it. I want you to do what you have to do in order to get healthy again and, um, and, uh, and heal up. It'll, it'll come every day will become easier from what I've seen with my dad. So. Just continue to move and continue to walk and do what the doctor says, and you'll be right back here chasing people around on floor machines. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you uh, uh, jumping on with us here the first Monday of the month. Uh, um, I have to say, while I was laying in the bed this week, I was like, man, am I going to be able to sit up and talk with him for a while? And it's like, well, yeah, they didn't work on my vocal cords. I'm, I should, you know, my brain and my voice still should work well. That's excellent. You sound well, so um, you're just going to get tired easy, and you just got to work through that and keep pushing. I think you hit it right on the head. I think that's the only thing I've been concerned with. Well, I have the stamina, you know, to do. And, uh, folks, mm -hmm. I apologize about today. I'm uh, a little short of breath, but I think we've made it through. And, uh, Sean, you uh, being there today to kind of give me the little bit of a challenge here to uh, see what I can do is also helpful as well. Cool. Well, I'm glad. So um, let's uh, let people know where they can get hold of you, Sean, if they need some of the help that I'm going to ask you later. Well, if you want to reach me, my number is 352-630-9884. My name is Sean DeVore. I'm a commercial flooring manufacturer's representative, and I would be happy to answer any of you guys' questions if you reach out. Thank you. Also want to tell you folks that uh, you've been listening to our podcast before, or if this is your first time listening, we are sponsored and powered by Jim Supply. They are a provider of janitorial supplies in the, well, basically the central Florida area. 
They've been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. The Academy of Cleaning Excellence is the education arm of the operation, and we provide professional development education worldwide. And the reason we can do that is because we have things like this podcast. We have remote learning. I want to thank everybody that has joined us this year so far. We believe it's somewhere, I haven't kept exact count, but somewhere uh, in the area of around 3,000 people this year has come through our infection prevention expert class and also our accredited um, electrostatic sprayer class. So, Folks, if you're looking for professional development before you go out there and make some mistakes that Sean and I have been talking about, go to academyofcleaning.com. You'll find a list of all of the courses we have, whether they are live, remote, or online, all listed on the front page. Uh, go to uh, that page. You'll find Beyond Clean with Ace, this podcast, and look at all of the episodes. We're in season four. I think this is... I don't know, number 59 or 60 for this year. So, Sean, we will be back again next month, and uh, I can guarantee you probably in the next uh, few a few weeks I'll be getting with you to uh, talk about this challenge that we've got down here. All right, I look forward to it, Dave. Reach out with anything you need. Talk to you later, Sean. Everybody, right, see you later. Like what, like what we do, share it. Make sure that whatever you do is healthy, positive, and proactive, and we'll be with you again later this week. Bye, folks.